Hello, and thank you for joining us for this episode of Burn Your Draft, an exploration of the Reed College senior thesis process and experience. I'm your host, Frank Tangerlini, and this week we'll be talking with Kate Stoll. We will hear about Kate's research on the structure and function of the protein Scott R. This interview was recorded in person in January 2020 and was the first interview I conducted for the show. There are a few times during the interview that the microphone surprisingly slipped on the glass conference table and we ask that you bear with us. We are sitting here, I'm sitting here with Kate Stoll in the MIT Washington office. Kate, tell me about yourself, tell me about this office. Sure, yeah, thanks for having me. Um, I am Kate Stoll, I am, was a graduate, I graduated Reed in 2004, and I'm currently the senior policy advisor for the MIT Washington office. And so this office acts as the, it's the federal relations office of MIT, and we act as the bridge between the university and the federal government, whether that's Congress or the White House or the federal agencies. And we spend a lot of our time thinking about and working on science policy and also higher education policy. Very cool. What kind of policies are those? Yeah, so there's a lot, there's actually a lot of stuff that can be covered under those bins, um, but briefly under science policy, we think about federal research funding, is the National Science Foundation, Department of Energy, National Institute of Health, are they receiving enough funding so that researchers across the country who are supported by those agencies can do the great work that they need to do to advance knowledge in America? Wow. So... A lot of work being done, definitely. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Um, I could talk about this all day, but we also, I mean, we also think about what types of regulations the federal government has in research and in higher education um, that are helpful and that are of hindrance and and think through what are the best ways to um, work within that system. Nice. So where are you from? And tell me about your time at Reed. Yeah, so I was born in Wyoming, but then moved to Eastern Washington when I was eight. So I feel like I mostly grew up in Eastern Washington, and I've been in D.C. for about eight years. So this also feels like home. Um, I went to read right after high school and was fascinated with uh, life sciences, so biology. Um, And once I took a few chemistry classes, I was even more fascinated with the intersection of chemistry and biology, and so that's why I decided to major in biochemistry at Reed. Very cool. Did you go in as a decided major? I knew I wanted to do life sciences, um, but I don't think I had as good of appreciation for how important chemistry was in life sciences until I got into um, Reed's chemistry classes and just loved them. I was a nerd who actually liked organic chemistry. (laughs) Uh, So what was the title of your thesis? How, why was the topic chosen? Yeah, so. Going into the opening up the thesis, getting back into it. (laughs) I am, I had to dig out my thesis because it's been many, many years since I wrote it. 16 years, I think. Um, So the title of my thesis was the DNA and metal ion specificity of SCA-R the streptococcal cell adhesion protein regulator of Escordoni. It's a mouthful. (laughs) I think that's what thesis titles are, though, just very long phrases. Yes, very specific to one small part of the world, yes. (laughs) Yeah, that specificity, that's key, apparently. Yeah. I was told that a bunch, that a lot of people go in with these 
bigger ideas and they get whittled down to a more feasible, provable project. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, I mean, choosing the question you're going to study is sometimes half the battle. Um, but yeah, you're right. If, if you ever want to make a mark on, you know, the base of knowledge, you have to find your niche. Um, it's just, otherwise you'll spend 20 years writing a thesis instead of one year at Reed. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, tell me about your niche. Uh, tell me about the process behind the thesis and what kind of resources were used. Yeah. So when I started my thesis, um, choosing my advisor was probably the most important step. Um, you know, me choosing him and him choosing me, of course, is the process. Um, and I was really excited about proteins. I just really liked the fact that the shape of the protein determines the function of what that protein can do in your body. And um, just the fact that proteins are these little tiny machines that do all the work in your in your body and in uh, most of biology was just fascinating to me. So I was really excited about the process of working on protein structure and function. And there are a couple of uh, professors at Reed that did such work and um, I so in the end I ended up working with Arthur Glassfeld and he was integral to me having a successful thesis experience he was a wonderful advisor you know he gave me the opportunity to work on this interesting area of biochemistry and was just very supportive about through the whole process had you taken classes with him before yeah so yeah I think I think that was a lot of it is that I t- he co-taught intro chemistry when I was a freshman. Um, And so that was our, you know, already had, uh, you know, good impression of him early on. Um, And then he normally taught biochemistry, uh, which I took junior year, but he was on sabbatical that year. Um, So other equally wonderful professors taught biochemistry that year. But yeah, I think I, and Arthur was also my academic advisor. It was just a happy coincidence. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So, when did you come up with the idea? What did you accomplish with the idea? How did it all start falling together? Is there like a timeline of your process? Yeah, if I can remember, I have to dust off the cobwebs in my memory <laughs> here, but um, I knew I wanted to work on protein structure and function. Um, you know, once I established with Arthur that I'd be working with him, I believe he gave me a few different proteins I could work on um, and SCAR was just sounded the most interesting to me because we still there were still enough things unknown about it that I felt like I could make an impact on advancing our knowledge of this particular protein in some you know esoteric bacterium <laughs> that we were that it came from um, and so to me it just seemed like there was a somewhat clear path of I there were a few things I knew I needed to understand about SCAR, and there was a way to get to that. And so it seemed um, like a reasonable um, chunk to bite off for a thesis. Oh, nice. Uh, So was most of it lab work? Was it research? Uh, How did that all come into play? What were the really requirements that you had to hit home with a biochemistry thesis? Yeah, that's a great question. I definitely started working in the lab right away, um, you know, the beginning of fall term, and and did a lot of lab work th- 
through almost the entire year, probably definitely three quarters of the year was doing a lot of lab work. Um, but then in parallel to that, doing literature review and finding out what people had done with homologous proteins and how they had studied them um, and, you know, building up the um, building up and uh, collating the kind of the already known information about this type of research so that I could weave it all together for a thesis by the end of the year. Nice. This thesis sitting in front of us is literally all woven together. So that's right. <laughs> uh, did you have a different original idea or was this really where you were headed for? Oh, in terms of in the end, what my thesis was about versus what I thought it would be about? Yes. Um, I think it mostly lined up. I probably thought I would get more done than I did, as most <laughs> students do, right? Um, I think we also wanted to solve the structure of SCAR um, with and without metal bound. We didn't get that far. I didn't get that far by the end of my thesis, but we did make progress on that the following summer when we... Um, crystallized scar and brought it down to a synchrotron in California and shot it with x-rays and used the diffraction pattern to to hone the structure that Arthur had already begun to solve in his in his own research. Wow so you continued to work at Reed that summer? Yeah so I did a yeah a lab I got paid to continue working in the lab for Arthur the summer after I graduated and it was it was a lot of fun, and I got to kind of wrap up some things that I would have wanted to get done during the year, but it's harder when you're also taking classes. And, yeah. Um, yeah, and we got to take this trip to, to California with other students and, you know, do some x-ray crystallography of some protein. So it was, it was a lot of fun. Very cool. Does, it, does this form of research pertain to the work that you're currently doing, or... So, I mean, I think the the big picture goal of understanding proteins like the one I was studying, these metalloproteins that um, regulate transcription of other proteins in bacteria, I think the big idea is, is if you understand how they work, you, one, have a better fundamental understanding of how bacteria um, survive in a host. And then, you know, very long-term goal would be like maybe you can use that understanding to find better ways to fight off bacteria in the human body. Um, but that was definitely the long-term picture <laughs> of the research. The, the primary research was very fundamental in nature, and it was just understanding how this protein worked in relation to when it bound DNA and when it bound metals. Um, and I currently do not use this type of knowledge or skills in my job now. Um, in a specific way in that I'm not I'm no longer doing scientific research I I haven't done that since um, grad school but the scientific method and the process by which by which researchers go through to understand the world and biomedical um, phenomenon is something that I think is helpful to me in my current job since I do think about biomedical research policy every day and this thesis also we had one re-record, but this thesis did help you to decide to go to grad school. Yeah, also. that's right. Yeah, so I think even from early on in at Reed, I knew I wanted to go to grad school, but I, it was off. It was just kind of this 
lofty goal, uh, and it was kind of a black box of what is grad school. I thought I wanted to go there, but um, if I was honest with myself, I didn't know exactly what that would entail until I did the senior thesis, which was um, very much kind of a, a mini experience of what grad school was like. That's cool. It's good to hear. Yeah. <laughs> good to know. Uh, and your thesis was pretty consequential. It had a published piece from it. Yeah, we did. We did eventually publish um, some of the stuff in my research, in addition to some of the research that um, that my advisor Arthur had done, as of, of course, of well as well. Um, I mean, I wouldn't say it like you know had a big splash in the <laughs> scientific community is you know it's one uh, small paper like a lot of science or incremental steps to to gaining knowledge but it was it was wonderful to me that it got published i'm sure it helped me get into grad school and just kind of build up my uh scientific resume um during and before grad school yeah very cool uh were there any unexpected challenges within the thesis yeah, um, yeah, I would say so. Um, probably two different kinds of challenges. One was challenges that all you know students go through when they're trying to balance doing a thesis at Reed as well as you know intense classwork at Reed and your also your personal life at Reed. You know, you're you're growing up into adulthood while you're a college student there's a lot of things you're learning and going through life lessons <laughs> that if they go well or not um can be distractions from <laughs> your thesis um which is fine because that's how life is um so yeah there were you know you have to balance all of that and then there were technical issues i mean there were just things don't always work in the lab. You got to do them three or four times. Um, and, and even if they do work, you need to do it three to four to n number of times to make sure that you have, you know, replicability in what you're studying. So, um, yeah, I mean, I could tell stories. I don't know how interesting they'd be, but just kind of things that didn't go right. And you just had to do it again. (laughs) (laughs) Were there any like really easy parts of the thesis like was any of the process just really understandable and just like straight straight line kind of thing well it's interesting because as I was doing it I may not have described it that way but then since I've been through grad school you know five years of doing a PhD on a project that was significantly harder than the read thesis um I'd say, yeah, this actually went very smoothly, like way more than you would expect, um, like, you know, biochemical research usually go. Like the protein gave very good signals in our binding assays. You know, it it had a straightforward interpretation of the results in a way that um, is not all that common in life sciences. Nice. To circle back to the challenges, how were there any kind of workarounds or ways that you dealt with these problems or challenges within the thesis? Yeah, um, in terms of when things didn't quite go right, I mostly just had to buckle down and um, put in the time. I remember there were a couple nights where I was just there finishing my assays till you know midnight or one or two, and it was just better to get all the results in one <laughs> fell swoop. And so you know it was just, but that's. Not unusual for Reed students to put in the extra time and um, yeah. Did work you hard have to, to, make it to 
did you have to work around other classes using the lab settings? Yeah, that that was sometimes hard, uh, especially with proteins. This was a pretty stable protein, but um, even so, you want to, you know, use it while it's fresh and uh, pure and isn't degrading. And so you, yeah, you have to time your lab work around classes. I remember a few times having to pop out of yeah. <laughs> class to go check my culture and make sure it wasn't overgrowing. But usually the professors were pretty understanding. Yeah, I was thinking like even even using the lab room, like if there were classes in there. Oh but. yeah, no, so we were lucky in that, I mean, Arthur had his own lab space. It was totally independent of the class lab rooms. So I had my own bench, you know, I had plenty of space to keep my stuff. Nobody was gonna get in the way or move things around while I was working in there, so yeah. Yeah, I had no idea about that, that seniors got their own, like, study space and room and yeah. stuff. I just thought, you get a desk. <laughs> right, yeah. And I mean, in addition to my bench in the lab, I also got a desk um, next to the lab. And back then, I didn't have a laptop. I had, like, a, what are they called? You know, you know the computers, the, just the stand-up desktop? Compu- desktop computer. Yeah, so I couldn't really, like, walk around and use it anywhere so it was really nice to have my own space that is i'm sound i'm aging myself (laughs) (laughs) Uh, so what skills did you acquire or really strengthen during this process yeah i think um few things i mean one i was able to you know hone my just bench skills like lab work skills and that's something that's definitely good to test before you go into grad school. It helps people to know that you've had that experience and that you've got, quote unquote, good hands at the lab. So so that was helpful. Um, but probably more important is just the experience of setting a relatively long-term goal and being able to reach the intermediate milestones and um, get through that whole process. I mean, a year as an undergrad is a it's a pretty long-term goal, right? So I think it was it was good practice just to, to get those skills honed. Did your advisor help you to really create a good structure with that? Or was it kind of based around what's going on in the lab? And like, how did you come up with these benchmarks for yourself? Yeah, that's a good point. I know that, um, if I remember, again, I said it was a long time ago. Um, I remember Arthur saying my first chapter was due, you know, after winter break, I believe. So that was a good deadline. I knew I had to get all my literature research lined up by then and at least written in a cohesive draft. Um, In terms of lab benchmarks, I think we probably thought it through as kind of, um, trying to think of the right word, in terms of uh, figuring out a process for milestones in the lab, I think we came up with each experiment and then completed the experiment and then from that determined whether the next step would be um, with general goals know, knowing that we needed to do some analysis of the DNA binding and also of the metal binding but I think we would kind of review the next steps after each experiment was analyzed. Do you find that the senior thesis is a very important requirement at Reed? I think it's essential. I think it's a huge part of what makes the Reed experience unique and rigorous and um, intellectually challenging. I mean, I I think there's a huge difference between going to a class and then proving to someone you've learned what they taught you versus taking on your own questions and 
um, really learning something that no one else knows already. So you're you're walking out into the unknown. You don't know if you're gonna fail or succeed, and that's how the rest of the world works. So I think it's really important that Reed has this um, thesis experience, and it also. In the end, I think it provides a fair amount of confidence for readies once they graduate. You know, they they know that they accomplished this fairly big undertaking, and that gives them the confidence that they can do it again. Well, they have to argue it at the end why why this was even a thing that they did. Right. So, yeah, absolutely. To defend, you know, why you ended up take, making the decisions you made and the project you chose in the first place. Yeah, it's all all important skills. So going from that, how do you think that this experience influenced or informed your life after Reed? I think it definitely gave me the confidence to go to grad school and the excitement to go to grad school. I knew what I was getting into. And I remember as I was writing my PhD thesis in grad school, you know, I that I was going to be able to do it. Like I had done this before in a smaller scaled version, of course, but I knew the steps it would take. I knew that I couldn't put everything off to the last year or the last few months. And I, yeah, I just had the confidence that I would be able to get through the PhD thesis as well. Thank you, Kate, for your time and for telling us about your thesis. Thank you for listening, and I hope you join us again to talk to more seniors about their thesis and better understand why you'd want to burn your draft. Burn Your Draft is a production of Reed College and the Center for Life Beyond Reed, created jointly by students, alumni, and staff. This episode was produced and engineered by me, Reed College student Frank Tangerlini. Our executive producer is Seth Paskin, class of 1990, with technical advising from staff member Joe Janiga. Nate Martin, staff member in class of 2016, is our project manager. Music by Jack Salvucci, class of 2020, and podcast art by alumni Henry Gottschlich and Lillianne Pham, class of 2020. This podcast was made possible by a gift from Seth Paskin. Another shout out to Jack Salvucci. You can find them as Boy Talks on Spotify, Bandcamp, and more.